The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. You hear that music, folks? Spooky stuff. Well, it can only mean one thing. You're listening to the Halloween episode of the Trilogy Podcast, the only podcast in the universe devoted strictly to trilogies. No reboots, no straight-to-cable. We're bringing you facts, debate, humor, and more to hell with the movie if they made four. Boo! Scott, you're scared. scary. Yes, I'm terrified. Did I scare you? I'm terrified. No, wait. I'm sorry. I'm looking across the room and I see Phil. When did you get here? Thanks you for having me. <laughs> I bet you're wondering right now, with this music, what trilogy we are doing this time around. Mm. Scott, why don't you fill the good folks in? Why, it's the Poltergeist trilogy. Ooh! Poltergeist! Poltergeist! Mm. You scare the shit out of me. Very warming, Scott. (laughs) In this cold, cold trilogy. And of course, because it is a Halloween episode and involves monsters of some kind, Phil is joining us for this episode. I'm a monster! Just stop right there, Phil. Okay. (laughs) So it's Halloween, or if it took us too long to edit this, it's a couple of days after Halloween. (laughs) The fear is still in the air. So enjoy, ladies and gentlemen. Also, we're coming closer and closer to the upcoming election. And in a lot of ways, that's like a poltergeist. Yes. A freakish man invading our world, and we want him out. We want him gone. Yes, we need to clean this house. Exactly. So it's relevant in many, many different ways. I do wish a curse befell him. Very good, Phil. In a way, it did. (laughs) (laughs) Is this this really going to happen through the entire episode, guys? Yeah, Uh, we'll see how we feel. Okay. I know how I feel. I feel that my robotic friend, the Trilogy Bot, is going to get us started today. Can I just say something really quick? All right, Phil. Time marches on. Life is impermanent. I would like to extend an apology to the Trilogy Bot. You know, it warms my heart. I don't know that I would expect Trilogy Bot, though, to reciprocate. Um, I expect he wouldn't. Well, he is a robot that tells us what kind of trilogy this is, and so let's see what he has to say. Poltergeistism, oh the horror, trilogy. These trilogies are thrillers primarily meant to frighten the audience. And regarding Phil's heartfelt and sincere apology, save that for the next woman who has to see your dick. Well, that wasn't very you nice. You motherfucker! Phil. I swear I, to God! Trilogy Bot is correct. This is an Oh the Horror trilogy. The last one we did, The Purge, had to be purged when they made a fourth one. So frankly, this right. is actually our first legitimate Oh the Horror trilogy. A trilogy that's based around horror movies and thrillers. Right. The entire goal is to make us scared. Yes. So it's a category we haven't delved into too often and probably won't until next Halloween. Yes. So let's really enjoy it, fellas. Phil, calm down. I'm calm. Let's enjoy the fear. Let's enjoy the I mean, scare. I saw this movie when I was like four years old. This whole trilogy, my uncle, who was big into horror, uh, showed me all three with my family and they all thought it was okay, which 
I'm now learning in therapy is abuse. Well, well, that's I mean, that's nothing, Phil. I once went to a party of my neighbor's house. He invited us over and uh, they were watching Hostel Part Two with kids in the room oh, when no. he gets his dick and balls cut off. Uh, and that was very awkward. So that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. So when I was yeah, seven, my yeah. grandmother showed me Halloween three. And the first thing I saw were snakes coming out of the very mask I was going to be wearing that year. I didn't know <laughs> oh, what was God. going on. I was terrified. <laughs> terrified. She was trying to warn you. She was your own Tangina. I believe it's Tangina. I believe it's pronounced Tangerina. Okay. Uh, Scott, without further ado, it's probably appropriate for you to break down the plots of these films. We're moving right along today. We're chugging right along. So just jump right into it. No more. uh, Sure. Sure. Um, Nothing else needs to be said. Just go, my brother. This is the the plots. The the Scott's plots, as we call it. (laughs) We do. Around here. And uh, usually what we do here is uh, I will give you the plots and terrors fill the air. Oh, you must be aware, because in the plots come, and you'll have some fun, but at the end of the day, you'll be scared. Scott's plots. It sounded a little like Vincent Price. I was, yeah, His you narration know? in Thriller. Yes. Good ripoff, Scott. That's probably what I'll be playing underneath. (laughs) (laughs) What's the deal here? Okay, so these are the plots, and usually what I do here, I give you a nice bare-bones description of the plot. No character names or anything like that. If you've seen the movies and don't feel like watching them again, I got you. And if you've never seen the movies and don't intend to and just want to know what happens, I got you covered there. So we will start it off, of course, with Poltergeist. 1982. In California... A realtor and his family live in one of his company's developments when weird things begin to happen. Their youngest daughter begins talking to the television. Furniture moves by itself. Stop right there. I think the wife is way too happy with the fact that shit is just moving around the the house. She's sort of delighted by it. She's she's a stoner. You know, the early 80s was really kind of, eh, pot's kind of all right. Teen Wolf's best friend is looking for a bag of weed in the garage. Yeah. Weed's very casual. Styles. Yeah. At the turn of the 90s, I feel like marijuana became vilified. Yeah, a little more taboo. Say no to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. She's no doubt a stoner, but I mean, not only is she drawing shit on the kitchen floor to illustrate how far the chair is moving, she's letting the little girls skid across the floor. Yeah. Craig T. Nelson is objectively terrified, as most people would be. Right. She's like, oh, in your belly, it makes you feel... He's like, what the fuck? He's... Woman? (laughs) What are you talking about? He's like, in the corner, like, shaking, like, what the fuck just happened I'm just going to take the new house down the street. Yeah, really. (laughs) And that'll be an ongoing theme. Move out of the house. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to get an apartment for a while. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? That night, a tree comes to life and tries to kill their son, while the... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you have a right to laugh, Phil, because it's really like the tree from The Wizard of Oz. It's exactly, it's the same tree. It's the same actor. <laughs> He's smoking is. a cigarette inside the tree. I mean, <laughs> this is supposed to be the first big scare of the movie, and you're like, did this tree just reach in and grab this kid? What the hell? When you think about scary trees, this is maybe the third movie I can think of. You're thinking maybe The Wizard of Oz, The Guardian. Evil from- Dead? Ernest Scared Stupid. Good thinking, Evil Dead. Great thinking, Ernest Scared Stupid. I wasn't even, I didn't even consider those. There's so many better trees than this tree. This is the Curly Joe Dorito of bad trees. Is it Dorito? It's Dorito. Dorito. Sorry, let me do it again. No, I'm going to keep that one. No, this is the Curly Joe Dorito of trees. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That night, a tree comes to life and tries to kill their son. 
while the youngest daughter is sucked into a portal in her closet and can only be heard through the television. A few parapsychologists come to the house and determine, yup, there's a ghost here. As soon as your child disappears, the first thing you do, you don't go contact the police. You go straight to the local parapsychology office. What? It's the next scene. Yeah. Well, how would you even find that? How many colleges even have that? Yeah. What are we in Ghostbusters? I think, and aren't they? They're specifically from UC Irvine or something like that <laughs> yes. too. Like the black guy, a young Billy D. Williams, is wearing a Freddy Krueger sweater through the entire thing. That that actor. I love how he's like, oh yeah, I videotaped a a, a toy walking across the room. Uh, over eight hours, it, it walked. Uh, quite <laughs> Pretty a bit. cool, huh? Yeah, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, they're like, "Holy shit, we're not we're not full of crap. Ghosts really do exist." Yeah. I thought this was all just to get back at my parents. No, this is real. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities to Ghostbusters, I think, I, too, are. of like, wow, can you believe this stuff is real? <laughs> like, <laughs> this prompts them to call in a small medium, who explains that the young. <laughs> You like that? That never occurred to me. You like that? Do you think they did that on purpose? No, they didn't. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) This prompts them to call in a small medium who explains that the youngest daughter has a strong life force that a malevolent spirit is using to distract other spirits from the light and stop them from crossing over. They find the entrance to the portal in the youngest daughter's closet, and the mother ties a rope around herself, enters the portal, and rescues the daughter. We're supposed to be taking this seriously at this point. There's tennis balls involved. Put, tie a rope around my daughter. What? Yeah. <laughs> also, don't go into portals. You'll come out real slimy. Well, yeah. you well, got the ectoplasm. A lot of amniotic fluid in there. I don't think that's what that is. I also like Ghostbusters with the pink slime. Right. You know? Also, the abyss, which is around the same time that. Like, okay. Weird, okay. Slimy. But I definitely shit. thought like they got slime. Why would the medium know that they're going to fall through the ceiling of the living room? Why did they set up shop there as the other end of the portal? Catch them as they fall. Like, yeah. Why'd you know that was going to be there? You just kind of, oh, a tennis ball came down. What's mm-hmm. what is, what's even written on that tennis ball? Yeah, I don't even, couldn't even see what you had written <laughs> on there. It was like, it's like a lot of words, too. I'm like, how about just a one and a two oh, would have well, done it? Like, they, were, they were talking about the ways in and out, like how there has to be an out port for an import and how they have to figure out which one is which. But in the beginning, it's over their bedroom. Like it's right. over the headboard. Right. Yeah. And Tangerine is like, I've never even done this before. What do you how do you know about the tennis balls? What do you what are you making this up as you go along with the rope? <laughs> well, at yeah. least Craig T. Nelson's smart enough to be like, what the fuck is going Maybe on? Maybe you should draw a dick on the tennis ball so we know it's ours. Well the reality is the family Could be somebody else's the family wildly ball. fluctuates in terms of how they're reacting to this entire thing. Most people would be petrified from the beginning to the end. Only the oldest daughter is doing the right thing where she's kind of like shaking and terrified through the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but other than that, what a useless character. Absolutely. You'll notice I've not mentioned her once in uh, this plot. She's also the smartest one because she always goes to her friend's house when shit goes bad. Yeah. Just, she's just never around. She's like, Gone. fuck all this. She's <laughs> <laughs> just out. Like. <laughs> the mother rescues the daughter and the small medium assures them that it's over. There's your false conclusion to the movie. Which I'd be perfectly happy had it been the real conclusion to the movie, to be honest with you. Well, because it sort of undercuts that false ending in a way. Like, it undercuts everything they just went through to get her out to be like, aha, but it's not over. And it also takes away all of fucking Tangina's power because it's like, she just told you the house was clear. And that was, frankly, I think that was Tangerina's best moment of the movie when she's like, your house is clear. Nice little defiant moment from her after all her pontificating. Great. 
And it's a, a very quotable line. It's a yeah. very memorable line from the movie, too. And then Ace Ventura. Yeah. He says it in Ace Ventura. Yeah. yeah. After he uh, figures out the whole crime in front of the police. No <laughs> shit. I guess so. I'd never His even. And it's, is clear. it's ironic. I did never, that's very good. I never yeah. even knew that reference. Good. <laughs> it's ironic because, like, in the first movie, she's not even really their spiritual or emotional anchor. It's the other psychic, it's the other female. Yeah. And. Because the other actors don't come back for the rest, for like the second movie, she becomes the figurehead when she does nothing in the first movie. And, except and let me yeah. tell you, that them. other woman has a really nice conversation with the mother at the kitchen table with her sharing the booze. Uh, a little too nice at moments, you know? Didn't well, it seem like, are you guys going to run away together? Well, like, I would a, hope. That's that'd an be Academy cool. Award winner. That's Beatrice Strait, who had won the Academy Award for Network. So yeah. she's a no-joke actress, so they gave her something to do at least. Yeah, it is weird, though, because it's like they come in, they spend the night, and they're like, oh, shit shit, it's ghosts. And then they're like, well, we're useless here. Why, why did we call them in at all? Then? <laughs> why didn't we just jump to Tangina being there the whole time? Later, the family is in the process of moving when the spirit returns and drags the mother outside where she discovers corpses floating in their unfinished pool. Seriously, can someone fill that goddamn pool? They treat it like a slip and slide. No one can stand up in it. They're sliding down. <laughs> what pool is this? Who's making this? And also, it seemed like they had, did they just move into this house? But I thought they had lived there for a while, they said at some point. I mean, they just, I guess, decided later on to dig the pool. Yeah. The incomp incompetent pool diggers. Yeah, I suppose. It just seems to me that uh, Craig T. Nelson's character is not respected by his job, because that's his house. He's he's also talking about these hot tubs that go into pools that lead into the, the, for the first floor, like the phase four <laughs> yeah. shit in the beginning. And then his house, he's got two kids in one room. and yeah. a, James Karen's like, imagine that, a much better fucking house than the one you have. Why couldn't I have that in the first place? <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> Why didn't you suggest this earlier? Yeah, it's a little Michael Bluth-esque. <laughs> Near this graveyard <laughs> up yeah. on a hill with no entrance or exit. How do you people get in? Does anyone visit this graveyard? Who even, who even knows it's there? Yeah. Soon, caskets start bursting out of the ground through the whole neighborhood revealing that the father's real estate company had built the houses on top of a cemetery, but never moved the bodies. I've never heard of a cemetery completely being moved, bodies and all, tombstones and all, to another location. I've I, never heard of that. I have heard of that, actually, because in, in uh, the town where my parents live, there's like a slave cemetery that was moved from somewhere else, and they were re- like a legitimate Earth. one with headstones and yeah. people visit it and everything? Yeah, it's in the back of this like church in Get town somewhere. The house implodes and the family flees to a nearby motel. Meanwhile, <laughs> James James Karen is looking up at the house at the end like, boy, I really fucked this up. Like, uh, I guess I got to go into uh, really screw this whole thing up. I guess. Coupon sales, maybe. I don't know. Uh. Also, why is he there at the end of the movie? Just so he can yell at him? Yeah, I think so. I yeah, think so. The that... big revelation. I was confused about this ending, right? Because they talk about when they're moving that the daughter, she's like, oh, but make sure you meet us tonight because we're going to the motel and your dad wants to be on I-74 in that motel. Yada, yada, yada. And then she's putting the kids to bed in the house. <laughs> and you're like, where the fuck is Craig T. Nelson? What is happening here? And then he's just kind of there and when this happens. Well, he never he left? No, because he mentions that to him like kind of earlier. And he's like, oh, okay. Put it on top of cemeteries, whatever. Like, it just doesn't seem to fucking phase him. Yeah. And then like scenes later, he's like, oh, you didn't move the fucking heads down. Which, like, is a cool, his mind. which is a cool revelation. I mean, I yeah. kind of like that in the face of every single casket popping out with yeah. Skeletons, you know, which actually were real skeletons. This movie loves skeletons. Loves skeletons. This trilogy loves skeletons. Indeed. I, and also, is it specifically mentioned to be an Indian burial ground in this movie? Or it's mm. not, really. Oh, no, because nothing that we learn from the second film is a part of the first film. 
No. It's right. all new information. But he does say he does say at some point, like, it's not like we built it on some ancient burial ground. Yeah. He, doesn't, no. he doesn't say Indian burial no. ground or Native no. American burial or ground. Or cult burial ground or yeah. also, a utopian cult burial ground. Right. The, the classic thing from that is like an ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's, I mean, I think they kind of reveal that it, it is. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's a movie back in the day that we're not aware of where that idea was set up, where yeah. ghosts come from an ancient Indian burial ground. I would also blame Treehouse of Horror, too, oh, yeah. because they, <laughs> they use the phrase Indian burial ground, I think. It's even yes. mentioned in The Office. Was it? What does Toby say to Michael? No, I didn't defile <laughs> an Indian burial ground. <laughs> so it's definitely in the pop cultural. Yeah. You know. yeah. Scott, I'm sure there is a second movie. You know what? There is. And that second movie is called Poltergeist 2. The Other Side. 1986. One year later, the property that the family lived in is being excavated when they find a cave below where the house stood. The whole neighborhood has watched the house disappear in the first one. Complete, right. in front of their eyes, disappear. Yes. You'd think that the world, or at least the neighborhood, would be accepting of the supernatural element that's happened here. But as these movies go on, no one's accepted it. No one has, believes it. It's all, it's one story after another. Everyone saw this. So no, the house didn't collapse or whatever. And but, you would think they'd be have enough witnesses for the insurance company to back yeah. them up to be like, no, the fucking thing imploded. We don't know what happened to it. There's no rubble. What what, what could have happened <laughs> right, to it? Yeah. There's no damage to assess because it's just <laughs> fucking gone. Coffins below the house, coffins around the neighborhood, and then also a cave underneath the coffins. So that's what we're led to believe, right? Is that there's a layer of Native Americans, right? And then underneath, there's these puritanical. It's so often that we encounter this in our podcasts, where the second movie or the third movie references something that we didn't even hear about in the first movie as a way of expanding the story, but right. in a way sort of cheapens the first story because there was no reference to it. Right. And, and are we led to believe that the ghost from the first movie was in fact Kane the entire time? Right. Right. Is that where we're supposed to I think? I think so. That's what yeah. I took from it. I mean, there's layers here, like a parfait geist. And we talk about there's these puritanical ghosts, too, that, you know, that expands the story of Poltergeist, but also the second expansion that it's not just that she's an innocent little girl was the reason that, you know, her life force was so strong. Right. It's that she has this history of being clairvoyant among her family. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because the Poltergeist does take a turn where you're like, I thought the whole thing was just she's, you know, a nice little girl. Well, and no, that's why they're trying to get the, to her. Or the premise was that she was the only one that was born in that house. That was right. actually born on the on the graveyard. So that's why he's targeting her. That right. was the initial premise. Suddenly she's yeah. a psychic fuck off. The small medium discovers the cave and tells her Native American shaman friend to check it out and to protect the family. Scott, Native Americans are amazing. As we saw from Free Willy, they know about whales. Yep. They know about poltergeists. Yeah. What can't Spirits. a Native American do? Really? Hold right. on to land. <laughs> oh, 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 no. Canceled. <laughs> Phil, that's inappropriate. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, that's listen, totally I, inappropriate. I hope you cut that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely won't. Please cut that. Definitely uh, not. Oh, no. God. It's a sad part of our history. It really is a, a humiliating part of our history. Well, thank God, though, that Indians are made to look so good in these films. Yeah. The playing field's now even, fellas. Well, you know, not to get off on a thing, but I feel like it's similar to the, like, magic black guy that's in certain horror movies, you know, your Shining, yeah. your, uh, those kind of things, where it's very convenient that they, you oh, know. Oh, we're definitely yes. in, a, in, a, in a time token of- token character kind of types. thing. They're playing types. Yeah. Yes. Craig T. Nelson gets his head dirt, and he's like, oh, I guess this guy knows what he's talking about. Hey, fucking hey, he can, he can control leaves. Everything yeah. else- uh, uh, bullshit. You know? He's controlling leaves, so he's for real. If he's cool with Mr. Incredible, he's cool with me, you know? <laughs> if 
coach likes him, I'm fine with it. Hell yes. <laughs> Meanwhile, the family now lives in Phoenix with the mother's mother, who is highly clairvoyant, a power she believes has been passed down to the mother and the youngest daughter. And then the mother's mother dies. I'd like to mention that after the mother's mother dies, the kids come downstairs and they're like, that grandma's dead. There are no paramedics. There's no trip to the hospital. Is it, what, doesn't that happen when someone dies in their sleep yeah. suddenly? It's just over. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, we miss grandma now. Like they just stepped out of the room and she's still laying in the bed dead. <laughs> and they're like, oh, honey, you know she loved you. We what? just met her. We don't, I don't know that. Yeah. These, <laughs> we never saw that, so how do we know? With no TVs in the house, the spirits try to attack the family through a toy telephone. When the shaman arrives, saves them, and tells them there's no use running, and they go back to the house. Maybe take all those dangerous and scary toys and shit out of the house. They keep the clown, they keep the robot, keep the phone, take all of that out. Why is that? That's like a very typical thing of these ghosts is they really like to possess toys. Yeah. It's like constant. Every movie has like a new toy. They're like, oh, and now we're coming through this toy. I'm a robot. Like, it's already a scary toy. I'm a toy. speaking spell. Yeah. Like, okay. just <laughs> Like that first clown no. should not be there why is it sitting in the chair why does it have to be face i've never why is there no scene where the kid goes <laughs> and just turns that fucking chair around or sticks him in the closet it's almost like the mother keeps going oh you put your clown away <laughs> Stop. and he keeps facing it toward him like what's wrong with you yeah. why would i want this i'd get rid of all the toys after the first movie yeah phil another movie that's got a toy that terrorizes trilogy of terror the devil doll uh the, the movie magic starring anthony hopkins a creepy old man who looks like the quaker oats guy comes to the house preaching about jesus or some nonsense and tries to get in the house but it is revealed that he is a spirit as well trying to take the youngest daughter the shaman takes the father to the desert to give him magic powers to repel the spirit while the small medium reveals the spirit's background to the mother. It's getting ridiculous now. You got Craig T. Nelson in a sweat house. What's going on here? Yeah. I feel like they just wanted to keep making situations where Craig T. Nelson could just kind of shake his head and go, I mean, what are we doing here, guys? Like, I mean, we're really on the other end of the, the spectrum here. I mean, what the hell? Shouldn't you be convinced by now? <laughs> right. Shouldn't keep, everyone be everyone. convinced by now in the family, at least? And why aren't why isn't everyone more careful? Meanwhile, there's the whole scene where she almost loses Carol Ann at the fucking mall to the Quaker Oats guy. Yeah, I would keep my eyes on my daughter every second. And it's like, oh, honey, sorry, we took our eyes off you for a second. Like, hey, mom, remember the time I lived in the fucking TV yeah. for a month? Scott, it's an ongoing theme that they're constantly separating themselves from the children and then need to find the children. Yeah. It's that, and then the fact that they always get to a locked door that they can't open. Open the fucking door. No one can ever open a door in these movies. Nor can they put the key in correctly in a car. He has such a hard time with it. Uh, uh, uh. Maybe you're right, Phil. Maybe it's just because they're fucking stoned all the time. (laughs) Seriously. How did the door work? I don't know. At first, I was like, oh, that's charming. But then they've proven time and time again to just be not good parents. (laughs) Yeah. Like, literally, they're like, Carol Ann, stay down here. We're going to run upstairs and fight a floss demon. Or a fucking... (laughs) I'm sorry. Bring her with you. Seriously, bring her with you so you could see her get captured. That's, yeah. Uh, through the, all, every single movie. How have you not figured out that it's going to attack one of the other family members just to distract you so yeah. it can grab Carol Ann? The Quaker Oats guy was an apocalyptic preacher who trapped all of his followers in the cave below their old house where they all died. I like that part. I, I think it's, it's a funny idea, but I like how later when they find the bodies, the skeletons are still in the positions they were like when they died, like <laughs> right. reaching out. That's, that's ah. not how decomposition works. Yeah. They would just fall apart. 
They don't, people don't freeze like that when they die. Um, people don't often die standing up unless it's like Pompeii, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I mean, the mother even references, she's like, they're in the same positions they were when they die. She's crying. You're in a fucking cave underground. There are other things to worry about right now. Yeah. I can feel their pain. No, you can't. Quaker Oats guy became an evil spirit who controls the souls of his followers. The shaman leaves the family, and the dad immediately gets wasted. <laughs> Swallowing a tequila worm possessed by the spirit, becoming possessed himself. Maybe the best part of the movie, Craig T. Nelson, oh, as evil, yeah. evil Fantastic. Craig T. He's doing... Because he's playing the shit out of that guy. Oh, like, yeah, your it's ass. great. Like, His he's... teeth look bigger. It's uh, it's ripped off later, I want to say, in uh, one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, where Freddy turns into like a, a like a worm yeah. creature or something. Yeah. It's, it's also reminiscent of that. It's also ripped off in uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead. While possessed, the father attacks the mother until he is able to vomit up the now much larger and scarier looking worm. And the father uses his magic power to beat him back. The family decides to go back to where the old house was and go after the spirit. After the mother and the youngest daughter are pulled into the other side, the father and son jump in after them. The spirit starts to drain the life force from the youngest daughter, but the shaman passes a spear to the father through the portal and the father stabs the spirit, defeating him. This is an outrageously ridiculous part of this movie. What has happened? This special effect where they're flying in space, the demons flying in space, and all that all that requ is required to beat him is a is a spear. Yeah, is an yep. Indian spear. Come on. It should be right. noted they were trying to film this movie in three D and eventually gave up halfway uh, through because they were like, we don't have the money. Oh, no, know, this, the remake this, pulled this from. other side is laughable. Like Give they're me. in like a Flemish painting, yeah, like yeah, with yeah. the clamshell behind them. <laughs> it and looks shit, like, like a Daniel <laughs> a Daniel Steele book cover. Yeah, like the right, sky yeah. is swirly and like yeah. lavender and. All the clouds are sort of like a pinkish hue, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Like, looks like a prayer card. What am I looking at here? <laughs> is this really what's going to happen when I die? I'm yeah. going to be in a bad special effect? The youngest daughter nearly crosses over into the afterlife, but the mother's dead mother brings her back. Then the shaman steals their car. <laughs> Again, stoners. Stoners. First of all, yeah, have my car, man. Wait, how am I gonna Hang get on home? a minute I, here. I count that as one of the highlights of the movie. That joke at the end. I thought Such it was a funny. Weird. And it's so funny that the, on the like, shaman for all his work just wants their shitty car. Yeah. Was this? Was all of this just to get yeah. up some wheels, yeah. shaman? I'll take the family truckster. They kind of all look at each other like, "What? You want our car? <laughs> you got?" Tangerina dressed now as a as an as an archaeologist. What's going on in this movie? <laughs> I had read too that apparently they cut this movie down. Uh, it was supposed to be like a two hour movie, and they cut it down by like twenty five minutes. Yeah. Thank God. It's in the third one. Yeah. yeah, third one was a quick one. Speaking of the third one, you should speak about it. And that third one is called Poltergeist Three, nineteen eighty eight. The family has sent away the youngest daughter to live with the mother's sister, her husband, and his teen daughter in a high-rise in Chicago, where she attends a school for the gifted. Nothing has shown us at all that she's gifted in any of the other movies. Right. Just that, you know, grandma was clairvoyant. Well, she speaks in the first ten minutes of this movie more than she does in the other two movies combined. Suddenly yeah. she's very... Verbose. Eloquent too. Yeah. Like yeah. She, she talks like an adult. I, mean, all of a I get it. She's aged now. She's a twelve-year-old girl. But at the same time, sure. Part of it was her childlike innocence at what was happening. So now you've eliminated that. I don't know. She's got a bit of an attitude in this third yeah, movie. She sometimes does. the aunt and uncle don't know what actually happened to the family in the first two, and think the family just wants the youngest daughter out of the house. I'd like to mention too. This is the first time we hear that the mother has a sister. 
Right. Never mentioned before. Never mentioned with with, with the grandma. Right. That the, there's another. There's a sister. Right. The clairvoyant backstory that yeah. could have been like, and also your sister's probably clairvoyant. Yeah, and just tacked on. So or we could a have phone a th- call to let them know the mother died. Yeah. Right. Right. There's no mention of that. Well, and this is what happens when uh, both you, actors refuse to show up in the next exactly. movie. Right. A doctor at the school for the gifted encourages the youngest daughter to discuss her experiences, but believes them to be hallucinations. But by discussing the memories, the Quaker Oats guy is able to locate the youngest daughter, wanting her to lead him to the light so he can cross over. And the small medium feels it and rushes to help. <laughs> Dumb psychologist at the school. That's not how mass hypnosis works, stupid. That guy is in a, a shitty relationship with a woman who doesn't know better. Yeah. Because he's, he's telling everybody they're wrong. He's telling everybody they had illusions of a coffee cup smashing through a mirror. Right. And, and they buy it. They buy it. They're, oh, I guess so. You know who you reminded me of, for some reason? Artie Bucco? Yes. 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 <laughs> like, I was like, this prick thinks he has a right to say anything about anything. <laughs> you Artie Bucco-looking motherfucker. Like, Sopranos comes up again. You North <laughs> Jerseyans. And you know he's the bad guy when he so cruelly and evilly says to his wife before he leaves the house, don't forget the cilantro. Yeah. So, you you <laughs> bitch. Last time you ruined the whole dinner. Put the cilantro you in. You unreliable bitch. Yes. Just put the fucking Come cilantro on. in. And also, his his wife is, you know, genetically predetermined to not like cilantro. <laughs> so she has Probably. to suffer every It's time. all genetics on that. Uh, honey, please, no. You're eating the cilantro. <laughs> Your pain is an illusion. <laughs> The Quaker Oats guy starts taking possession of mirror images in the building, and when the youngest daughter is left alone by the teen daughter, the Quaker Oats guy tries to capture the youngest daughter. But with telepathic help from the small medium, she is able to escape. The theme is mirrors. That seems to be the new gimmick this time. It gets time. really tiresome. And yeah. they do all the mirror tricks, don't they? Oh, every, every single, single one they yep. can think of. They didn't have a they didn't have a lot of money on this movie, and they were like, we got mirrors. Was waiting for the one with Tom Skerritt where he's looking in the mirror and he walks away and he's still standing in the mirror. I was waiting for it to be the fucking airplane bit where he just walks out of the mirror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> it reminded me of Conan the Destroyer. Or the, I, I was going to say, uh, Prince of Darkness, our last uh, yeah. horror movie. Yes. A lot of mirrors in that and passing through the mirror, pulling Big Daddy Satan's hand through the yeah, mirror. I read the director took some inspiration from uh, Alice's Through the Looking Glass. So uh, no. A new movie with mirrors as well, uh, Us. The uh, Jordan it's, Peele. It's film. certainly a, certainly a, a horror film convention. Yes. Meanwhile, teen daughter breaks her and her friends into the building's swimming pool. Teen daughter and her boyfriend break into the security office to change the security tape so their swimming friends don't get caught. When they see security footage of frightened youngest daughter running through the parking garage and run to rescue her, and all three of them are sucked into a puddle portal. What is this building? There's. There's apartments, there's a whole, there's a mall, So there's, the, the, the job is there too, it's yeah. like the whole city is inside the building. Again though, uh, a, a little bit of almost like a Shining vibe in this movie, he's the caretaker of that building, sort of Jack Torrancey. Yeah, of, I can you see know. that, sure. The small medium arrives to help, and the disbelieving doctor arrives to be a douche, mm. and tell them it's all fake. Teen daughter's boyfriend returns from the other side through the pool. And the Quaker Oats guy, disguised as youngest daughter, kills the small medium and teen daughter returns. At this point, we've watched as the teen daughter emerges from the corpse of Tangerina and still the psychologist doesn't believe what he's just seen. I don't don't get it. I don't get it. He has even, there's a moment where he looks and it almost seems like he's like, 
okay, uh, I believe right. now. And then the next scene, he's like, it's all it's fake. All of, yeah. I also like to mention that this scene put me off of stuffing for years to come. Why? Because <laughs> when she pushes her fist through Tangina's yeah. face, mm. and she like kind of, and she pushes her way through her body, it looks like stuffing. You tubby bastard! You're never gonna get me to believe that you stopped eating stuffing after this movie. <laughs> the disbelieving doctor tries to calm teen daughter, while aunt and uncle chase after a reflection of youngest daughter. Disbelieving doctor, who also thinks he sees youngest daughter, walks out to the empty elevator shaft where teen daughter pushes him to his death. I laughed so hard when he fell to his death. Yeah, and what happened to Kane? His whole thing of like, I can read your mind because I'm smart. And like now, now all of a sudden, like you would think he'd be controlling people's minds a little bit more instead of like convincing them. He became them. a like, Scooby Doo villain. You don't need it. You got movie. you got mirrors. Yeah, that's true. Lots of mirrors. A lot of self reflection in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, why am I watching this? <laughs> what have I done with yeah, my exactly. life? <laughs> we all reflected in that way. It is revealed the teen daughter and boyfriend were merely reflections being controlled by Quaker Oats guy. The small medium returns briefly to give aunt and uncle her necklace to help defeat Quaker Oats guy. The aunt and uncle find a way into the other side, and the aunt must prove her love of the youngest daughter to coax her out. They find their way to the other side by going outside on a window washing platform. Okay. (laughs) They they pull a diehard. It's not terrible (laughs) that she's got to prove her love because she's miserable, the the sister, and she's like, get that little girl out of here. So, okay. I can appreciate that as a plot construct. Yeah. Although, I I don't... funny because they have that elevator scene and she's like yeah i can't wait to get rid of that little you know bitch and like that's when they think they've solved the right. problem already and I, for a second i was like is she possessed because yeah. like this is the meanest she's been about and it. really didn't you just see a bunch of cars in the snow attack you like oh uh, yeah that and didn't it, convince you yeah that the daughter was like on the level and i love it, they're like we did it like did what you didn't do anything yeah. a thing happened and then it stopped yeah. and you're like wow we did it we're yeah. really no, good and at let's this. get sexual in the elevator now <laughs> let's get sexual anywhere yeah, what yeah <laughs> there couldn't be a worse time to get sexual then, Small Medium shows up and easily convinces the Quaker Oats guy to let her lead him to the light. <laughs> Uncle, teen daughter, and youngest daughter escape the other side. Lightning crashes, Quaker Oats guy laughs, the end. And it's the second movie in a row uh, with a really abrupt conclusion, the really abrupt ending. A lot of that comes from the fact that they had a better ending that they filmed. And they had to change it with the death of uh, Heather O'Rourke. They really needed uh, to get a skeleton, uh, a mustachioed skeleton version of Tom Skerritt in there. <laughs> I noticed yeah. that too, that they had to put on the mustache onto the skeleton to show who it was. <laughs> Just okay. so you know. So, good plot breakdown, my friend. Now let's talk a little bit about the actors and some of the tech and details about each of these films. Poltergeist. This was a gigantic film, okay, both from a money-making standpoint and from the standpoint of reviews and critical praise. It's considered to be one of the best horror movies of all time on many lists. It was only made for $10 million. It made $121 million. And this is in early 80s money. This was an enormous hit, one of the biggest hits of the year. Spielberg's second big hit of the year, because remember, E.T. is going on at exactly the same time. It's the summer of Spielberg. Yeah, that's what they call it. And funny enough, both movies derived from the same concept. Spielberg wanted to work with Toby Hooper originally on a script called uh, Night Flyers, which was about a bunch of evil carnivorous aliens. And that eventually became E.T. when Toby Hooper kind of turned down the offer because Toby Hooper himself found the notes from Robert Wise, the director of The Haunting. And so it was Hooper's idea to make a haunted house movie. And that's where Poltergeist began. Spielberg was banned in his contract from E.T. for directing another movie at the same time. Right. He was a co-writer 
of this film and a producer of this film. And a big controversy erupted over who was the real de facto director of this movie. Was it Spielberg, who was on the set every single day, or was it Toby Hooper? And as you read more and more details and anecdotes from the actors and the crew, it's really kind of divided. Tangerina says that basically Spielberg directed her. James Karen says that Toby Hooper directed her. And the tech people, the camera people, it's really split down the middle. Yes. We'll talk about some of the similarities later, but in my mind, this is a Steven Spielberg. At the time, there was a director's strike brew with the DGA, mm. and Spielberg and Lucas, they are sworn enemies of the DGA. Mm-hmm. By being on set every day, he was sort of mitigating any possible disaster that was going to come up. At the time, this was quite a controversy. I mean, remember, Spielberg is big at this point, of course, because of Jaws. Right. But E.T. is the movie that's going to make him the superstar that he is. Right. Yes. There's nothing like I think it's also worth mentioning that this movie received some Academy Award nominations for visual effects and for score. Both times they lost to E.T. So Good problem mm. to have. I suppose you're Steven Spielberg. Exactly. So I certainly remember it being scarier when I saw it younger. I feel like it's a scary movie for little kids. Like if you were a little kid, it will scare you. But if you're getting up into your teens, how scary or adult, how scared are you going to be? Because I would still argue that each one of these movies still has two moments of like, whoa, like something like a crazy makeup effect or a crazy special, like practical special effect that they did. The face for one. Right, the face. Yeah. Uh, That's always the one that I remembered as him tearing his face apart in that first one. Spielberg's Um, hands. Yep. But yeah, I was surprised that the other two movies still had one or two moments that made me like, oh, 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 what is happening? Isn't that often the case with horror movies? I mean, I'm not an expert in horror by any means. It's not particularly a genre that I enjoy, but I feel like every horror movie is invented to have that one or two scare parts, right? Right. Isn't that the case usually? Yeah. So we're following a bit of a formula here to some degree. No? Right. I mean, I would say some are more iconic than others, for sure. sure, sure. But, you know. Yeah. I like the, the braces scene, I thought, would, like, creep me out. That was really clever. cool. It was yeah. clever. Especially stuff with, like, teeth or, like, if, you know, anything with eyes in movies, too, yeah. is always like a... <sighs> All right, so we're talking about Poltergeist 2, of course, with the braces, the other side. And, um, again, that was a, a financial success, but not to the degree of the first one. It was made for 19... And uh, grossed about $40 million. Still a success. Yeah. Um, but like so many of these these sequels, um, it's falling off as time goes on. People are losing sure. interest. Most of the cast came back except for the the older daughter, Dana. Well, who, yeah. Who passed away right after the first one was she... made. And we'll talk about those details okay. in a second, Phil. It got very poor reviews. And H.R. Geiger, he uh, was responsible for creating the demon, the creature. And we know him. He's... Worked with movies before he created The Alien right. as well. The so. Xenomorph. Right. So he's done this, but he wasn't happy about the eventual result in the second movie, what his demon looked like. Yeah, it's because he wouldn't leave Germany to do it. So there was a language barrier and a distance and miscommunication. Uh, what's the deal with Geiger? He's an artist? Yes, he's a he's an artist, but he's also like very dark and miserable. And so like he just doesn't come out of his castle. I'm saying is he a Lovecraftian type of artist he that is. sort of designs yeah. these yes. particular Okay. Yeah, I feel like I just read this about him that he was he had a lot of like sketches and stuff that he was doing and I think it may have been uh, some of his sketches when he was traveling to go talk to them about Alien and he got stopped at the airport because they were like so realistic looking that they thought they were like photographs. They thought they were like, so they thought he was into some like weird satanic shit. Sure. And all this stuff. And he was like, where would I have taken these photographs? Hell. <laughs> like, like, it's just a great like understanding of yourself. You can imagine, you you can imagine him saying that with like a German accent. Yeah. It makes it even where, more evil. Where would I have taken the picture? <laughs> Hell, perhaps. Yeah. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. 
Poltergeist 3, completely new setting, completely new characters, directed by Gary Sherman, who is a horror director. Phil, have you seen any of those horror movies no. he directed? They're not very big. I'd never, I, I had not recognized any of them. He also wrote the movie, too. What's interesting about Poltergeist 3 with respect to the tech is that all of the effects in this movie, unlike the first two, are practical effects, um, except for the lightning blast yeah. that ends the movie. Right. All the rest were created on the spot using makeup, and I thought they were pretty good all things considered. In a yeah. shitty movie, they, they looked pretty good. There's artistry in a lot of those shots. I was really absorbed by the depth of a lot of those effects. Okay. I wish the movie was executed better. Right. Because then I feel like that movie would be held in much higher esteem nowadays. I think that a lot of the criticism of that mo this movie was that the movie just sort of pinwheeled from effect to effect without any kind of transition in between, like, as if Sherman was just trying to get to the next effect that he had created. Sort of connecting them instead sure. of, yeah. This movie made very little money. It did... Make some money. It was made for about nine and a half, grossed 14. Terrible, terrible reviews. And I mentioned before it was supposed to have a different ending. Um, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that Heather O'Rourke died right after this movie was right. made. And yet we've just shown that they've won. And two seconds later, we revealed that he's still there. And maybe there'll be a fourth one. Yeah. Yep. And you're like, but you knew she died. Exactly. And you probably weren't going to make another one. That's a reminiscent of uh, Street Fighter, yeah. where like oh. where M. Bison dies in the movie and Raul Julia had, you know, died right after filming this movie. And right at the end, they have his fists comes out of the wreckage post-credits, like M. Bison's still alive. And they literally just said, dedicated to the memory of Raul Julia. I'm like, you know he's <laughs> dead then. Why would you even hint at a second movie? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. There was a reboot in 2015 yes. with, uh, what's his name? Sam Rockwell. Did you guys see the reboot? I did see was it. Was it worth a shit? No, it sucked. Hey. And um, I think they're already talking about a future uh, reboot directed by who? Russo Brothers. Last two Captain Americas and, and the last, last two, two Avengers. Yeah. I so mean, this could be like, oh, we've decided to do this. Who knows if it's really going to happen yeah, nowadays? Right. But that's the last word on Poltergeist. So it's not dead yet. People are still gravitating to this story yeah. in some way. Madness turns to murder on the next episode of Poltergeist The Legacy. Sunday morning at 1 a.m. on Fox 26. We got to talk a little bit about the famous curse of Poltergeist. They say that it's a curse, but that's kind of dubious. Here are the five elements of the curse. The lead of all these films, Heather O'Rourke, died shortly after the first movie. Uh, a little girl, 12 years old, she died of a stenosis of her intestine, and, but it was kind of a sudden death. They thought she was going into remission, that she was better, and she wound up dying about four months after it was made. And as a result, they really didn't do any publicity on the third movie because the producers and the studios were afraid that Skerritt and Nancy Allen would get questions about it, and they didn't want to sort of cloud the publicity of the film with this bad news, with a sad story. Right. So that's a big one, that this little girl died. Yeah. So yeah. The most memorable. Dominique Dunn also died. Now, she played the older sister in the first movie, and she yeah. died right after it was completed. And she was strangled to death by her boyfriend in the driveway of her home. Yeah. Yep. All right. But it turns out that the guy that, that did it, they found that it wasn't premeditated murder, that indeed it was like a crime of passion. And he wound up going to jail for manslaughter. Six-year sentence served only three years. And Phil, you have some details on this? Yeah. Well, one, uh, it should be noted that Dominique Dunn is uh, Griffin Dunn's sister. His father is Dominic Dunn. Oh, no Dunn. shit. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. The guy's name is John Sweeney. For years after that, Dominic Dunn went after the man because the guy was a chef. And so Dominic Dunn would always show up at his jobs with like a big sign and basically telling everybody that a convicted killer 
was serving them food. I mean, that's sort of, you know, a version of today of like, you know, people getting, you know, doxxed on Twitter and shit. And Canceled. Like, yeah. Like, In that case, that person probably just said something shitty on Twitter. Right. This guy but, killed someone. The deaths of two of the three children really form the baseline of this curse. But there are some other things, too. Uh, Will Sampson, who played the Native American, died right after the second film mm. um, from complications from surgery. Julian Beck, the guy that played Quaker Oats Man. Yes. Okay. He died right after the production as well. Indeed, they had to dub his voice in for some of the parts later in the second yep. film. But the dude had stomach cancer when they began filming. Yeah. So it's not like this came out of nowhere. They lump in Tangina's death too, but she died like a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, she it, lived for like 25 years after the movie <laughs> exactly. came out. And of course, the final component of the curse is Joe Beth Williams' career. After, after this movie oh, and everything that she did uh, after that. Stop. Or my mom will shoot. There were only two actors in all three of these films. Pretty obvious who they were. You had Heather O'Rourke. She was the Carol center. Carol Ann. Right. Centerpiece of all these movies. She was actually discovered by Spielberg while she was visiting the MGM studios. Oh. And it's one of those he saw her and he immediately cast her in this film. And then, of course, the other was Zelda Rubenstein, I'm calling her Tangerina. Her name in the movies was... I also am calling her Tangina. There you go. Tangina, right? Well, you know what? She Listen, she's old school. If you look at interviews with her, and this is before the world of PC, she considered herself a midget. And she's like, those of us within the midget community have two minutes to prove that we're as good as everyone else because of how we're judged initially. Right. Like she was very wise. Um, and she was a, a big time... AIDS advocate before it was popular to be really, that. and she said it also it cost her many roles because this is early in the eighties before it wow. became you know I didn't know that about right. it. yeah yeah. I think it's time for us to jump right into our bullet points about these films. Cue the transition. Here. Ah, Poltergeist. Can you really flush a bird down the toilet? I mean, ultimately, isn't that going to clog the toilet? Would you like to try? Do you have a dead bird? I know where I can find one. <laughs> I took the liberty of examining that parrot, and I discovered that the only reason that it had been sitting on its perch in the first place was that it had been nailed there. We should probably mention Craig T. Nelson, guys. Yes. Yeah. He starred in the first two movies, and Craig T. is a, uh, he's a trilogy superstar. He had a minor role in Born on the Fourth of July, which is a trilogy, the uh, Oliver Stone Vietnam trilogy. Mm. Most of us know him, though, as Coach. Right. Or as the Incredibles dad. Yeah. Right. Mr. Incredible. Hey, no curse from that guy. He's had a pretty decent career. Yeah. And he's very winning, I think, a lot of the time. Also, the other random movie I think of is Devil's Advocate. He is also in. Yes, that is true. But I like him. I think he's good. I think he's the highlight of, you know, motivations or not. He's doing his thing, at least. He's yeah. interesting. I, I wonder if having Spielberg and Toby Hooper both was confusing to actors, because I feel like their emotions range in a really weird way, where they're manic about something that shouldn't be that big of a deal, and then, like, silent when Excellent. it's, like, something Excellent really point. scary. I like the early parts of the movie because it really brings back a nostalgia for me. Is uh, The time when I was a kid, it really feels early 80s. You got the Star Wars sheets on the kid's bed that I had, yep. the exact same sheets. There were countless Star Wars items oh, throughout yeah. his so room. Hey, you had the Darth Vader carrying case for your action figures on right. the kid's shelf, and that was hard to find then. That yeah. was like a special thing they sent to you oh, or yeah. something. I had, on, one. Right? I had one, and my mom was like, you have no idea how difficult it was for me to get that carrying case. Don't you know what this is? 
the Darth Vader collector's case from the Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back collection. With those floor model televisions that just sat on the floor and yeah. it was part of your furniture? Yeah, or even well, the idea we talk of the Star Spangled Banner plays at the end. TV goes off at a certain yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. the end of the programming day and then nothing really happens till six o'clock the I next mean, morning. Yep. Static isn't really a thing today. Right. You know, it's not really necessary. I mean, there's something really tangible about analog and ghosts that may be inside of it because when you look at the static when you're that old or that young or however it's a physical thing that you can quantify the static it's just in there and permanent and so like things can come in and out of that and that's something that i think is very well explored in this movie hey man don't square off on me with some bullshit you want to start some static don't push me fuck you man And then, of course, who doesn't love James Karen? When when his uh, career as a developer dried up, he became a uh, a guy that worked in a cemetery. <laughs> exactly, in Return of the Living Dead, one of my favorite horror movies. Listen, he also started working for Pathmark. Everyone yes, knows him did. as the guy from the Pathmark commercials, right? Get Pathmark's new circular in your weekend paper at your doorstep or at Pathmark. 24 hours a day, you'll save with one-stop shopping at Pathmark. Why is mom so okay with the pool guys sexually harassing her teenage daughter? Just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're harmless. They're just yeah. transients inside, outside of our house. Different time. <laughs> Let me, exactly. It's the early 80s. I also like in that scene, there's like a weird bit of dialogue back and forth between the construction workers just before the scene begins. Like, almost sounds dubbed in there yeah. where they were told, just improv a conversation before you walk up. <laughs> and this one guy, oh, don't take it so seriously. Well, happens on every job. Oh, hey. Hey, and then they turn. The- <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> hey, I just decided to shit in the pool. Don't take it so seriously. <laughs> I just tripped off in the pool. Hey, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> I just got fired. Don't take don't it so listen. seriously. Well, happens on every job. Oh, hey. The one guy, Sonny, is like, when she comes out, he's literally saying, oh, I love you so much. Oh, I love you so much. Like, <laughs> guy, you're, uh-huh. at, you're gone. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, yeah you got, you're your fired. Things. But meanwhile, it was so 80s the way she responded because giving the finger or flipping someone off in a creative way was very much what we did in the 80s. Yeah. Little, like, winding up your middle finger and doing all this goofy shit. Like, you didn't just give someone the finger. It had to be done in, like, a <laughs> clever way. Yeah. Can you hear this? Do you want me to turn it up? I do like in all these movies, you'll have um, early instances of somebody saying a line that they're totally going to be wrong about. Like, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, you have no idea what's about to go wrong. <laughs> like, just you wait. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Uh, possibly go wrong. <laughs> that's the first thing that's ever gone wrong. Do you guys recognize the brother, the other thing that he's been in? Because I recognized him from... Th- no, I didn't. Okay. But he looked familiar. Airplane 2. Yes! He's the the kid that owns Scraps the dog. Yes, yes. And there's that funny scene where he's like, uh, he's going to have to be put down. You know, here's the scene. His name's Scraps, and he's going to the moon with us. Oh, no. No dogs are allowed on the shuttle, son. I'm afraid Scraps will have to be shot. Scraps! He shot him! He shot Scraps! He shot Just joking, blank see. Scraps is fine. <laughs> I do like when uh, they're here happens when the TV and everything. Iconic. You, you see Gene Shallot on the TV not long after, and I'm like, is Gene Shallot going to be haunting their house? Like, hi, everyone. It's me. That's another product of the 80s where Gene Shallot is a main reviewer, and we're taking this goofball seriously. Yeah, and people yeah. are like, hey, it's Gene Shallot. Yay. Now, only I'm going, hey, it's Gene Shallot. I went, hey, it's Gene Shallot. I haven't been this scared since I was mugged by Gene Shallot. Don't panic, room. I'm not going to... William hurt you. I only want your tango and cash. So just pay it forward and we'll all be 
Happy Gilmore. What? There's the scene where I think it's when they're first talking to the parapsychologist about it. And it's like, well, you would you be willing to let the professionals take a look? And Craig T. Nelson like kind of intensely stares and he's like, I don't care. <laughs> Oh, oh. I'm like, the whole scene, I'm like, what was his direction? Don't move your fucking mouth. How about Rumbles? What was it about you? I like, uh, too, when they, for the, I think it's the first night with the parapsychologist, and they're like, oh, go upstairs and check out the room. He's like, okay. And he goes up, and as soon as he goes up, the poltergeist actually comes out and, like, attacks them. And he's upstairs just checking shit out, like... Why didn't you stay for 10 more seconds and you would have gone, yup, ghost, okay. (laughs) There was a cut scene in which that happened. Really? There was a scene in which he does get bit. The problem was they hoisted him up, they had the the creature bite him, and the ectoplasm that was spurting out of him looked like semen. (laughs) Oh, no. And so the whole cast and crew were in hysterics because he basically got bukkakeed by a ghost. (laughs) Oh, no. And then they were like, you know what, let's just scrap. Never mind. Let's not talk about this ever again. (laughs) Oh, uh, that was a... There was a ghost! This ectoplasm! Did you see the ghost? It ran through here and sl- slimed me! No, that wasn't me! That was a spooky ghost! And the guy's like, I'm gonna go into your kitchen, raid your refrigerator, and see what you have here. Now, let me say this. Steak doesn't keep that long. So you're telling me that during this entire infestation of a poltergeist, the, pe- the family had the time to go to the supermarket and shop? And, yeah. And, and get a steak? What seems to be a steak that was in no package and is raw. Wait, what are you going to cook that entire steak in the middle of the night? You're going to pan fry that steak? It's ridiculous. He slapped it onto the counter. He didn't put it on a plate. He didn't do anything to it. didn't put it in a pan. Didn't marinate it. Nothing. He slapped no it seasoning. on the fucking tile counter. Get a nice dry rub going. <laughs> Who just goes into the fridge for a quick snack and grabs a giant steak? When it comes to great steaks, I've just raised the steaks. I like how <laughs> when they decide to send the little boy away in the cab, the parents don't walk him out to the cab. They're like on the porch. It's a very dramatic part, like we're sending our little son away. Yeah. And they're not consoling him, walking him to the cab. You'll be okay. They're like, all right, you good? Okay, we're up here on the porch. You fine? All right, we'll see you then. See ya. The kid's even looking back like, can you? Can I get a Can I get a hug? The, mo- the mother goes, call me, okay? Perhaps you should call him, don't you think? The kid doesn't know the number. She's going to grandma's. You're making it like, call me. I'll miss you every day. Like, you can call him. And, and you're, it's at grandma's. It's your mother. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. You have that scene with uh, Craig T. Nelson and the boss, and he takes him out. But when he first picks him up, he's like, want to go for a ride? And it just seems like, is he going to get whacked? Like, what's happening here? Like, <laughs> like they takes him to a cemetery and everything. It seems a little weird. And then the whole that whole scene is where he's like, look at this view. It's not much of a view. It's the view of the houses you already built. Yeah. What are you talking about? And like the cemetery. View. Yeah, <laughs> the cemetery behind you. And then he says something like, you know, yeah, but it's not, you know, not something you advertise on billboards that you've built on top of a cemetery. You're like, yeah, but you would think that, you know, since I worked for the company for years and that, you know, I lived in one of the houses and that you were going to give me this property, you would think you would let me know about that. You don't have to put that on a billboard. You could just send that in like a letter. How to about me the, many, the many relatives that have visited their loved ones at the cemetery? They right. know there was a cemetery here. For sure. Suddenly they got to go down the street <laughs> 10 minutes? What the fuck? Not something you want to advertise about. Like, not something you want to do. No. <laughs> I just dig your loved ones up, you know, their desecrated corpses and put them somewhere else, you know, where you didn't want them. Yay. You son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones. You only move the headstones! Why? Why? Very funny. 
uh, and amusing about how little Dana matters to the plot is that when she arrives just as the house is getting sucked up and screams and suddenly she's in the car... They didn't even shoot coverage of her entering the you fucking car. You bet your car. ass, Phil. Because when they drove away, I was like, did they just leave Dana? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Suddenly she's in the car. What? Where, when did that happen? It really seems like they were, because she's like, let me in. And he's like, drive away. Get <laughs> yes, out of here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That's what I thought I saw. Leave her. Yeah. Poor it Dana. Definitely felt that way, Phil. Good observation. I saw it too. <laughs> What's happening? Dana, get the car. Drive away. Daddy, drive away. I thought it was a nice touch at the end when he pushed the TV out of the hotel room. I thought that was clever. I think it's pretty iconic, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I liked it. I think like so many of the trilogies that we've covered over over the last three or four years, much of this has to do with where you were and what age you were when you saw it. So us looking back at it now and reassessing it now as, as adults, we're not going to get the impact that we would have gotten when we saw it when we were kids. Yeah. When it was completely original, you know? So I think that plays into it a bit. And I tell For you, sure. I could see myself thinking this was scary then. Yeah. But, you know, again, in looking back at it- It's kind of almost family scary yeah, in a way. exactly. It's a family horror movie. Good yeah. point. All right. So that was Poltergeist. Let's jump right into Poltergeist 2, The Other Side. They're back. I was in a state of disbelief at the beginning of this movie because you like this whole Native American scene. You're like, I'm sorry, did I put the wrong movie in? Yeah. I thought this was Poltergeist. I'm, I'm very confused of what's happening. And we and... know Will Sampson, the Native American. He's very famous from Cuckoo's Nest. Oh my God, I didn't even realize that was him. Absolutely. Yeah. He's I'm the... looking at him. I'm like, I know this guy. He's and... the one that killed Jack Nicholson at the end. He and... was chief. Since the day you were born, one way or another, someone has been doing something to you. Oh, I don't I don't think that's true. The parents seem surprised by everything that's going on in the second film. And it's like, look, didn't you see the first film? You're in the sequel, <laughs> so you know something's going to happen. I, you're here for a reason. <laughs> I, we all assume you're going to the other side. Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. So then you, you you meet this Kane character, the Quaker Oats man. Yeah. And he's like following her through the mall. The one thing that didn't make sense to me is, you know, Carol Ann's watching him and he's being a creepo. And then he walks through a wall and then like walks through that person and all this stuff. But she can see him, which makes total sense because yeah. she's Carol Ann and we're supposed to now believe that she's got some powers. Right. But then the mom can see him, which I was like, okay, okay. Well, she was on the other side. She right. might have powers too. But then the son can see him. And then Craig T. Nelson can see Why isn't like, anyone saying Why anything? isn't anyone else seeing this thing? Yeah. And it's just this family that is like, oh, we see him all the time. Yeah, yeah like yeah. walking through shit. What? So he can just appear to whoever he wants. There's just no rules for Quaker Oats, man. For just as his soul is nourished by a hug and a kiss, so will his young body be nourished by a good hot breakfast of Quaker Oats. Native Americans going, your car is angry. Your car is angry. Your car is overheating. Put some water in the fucking radiator. That's the problem. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. It's yeah. not angry. I don't understand you. It's your own car we're talking about. You know you wrote the wrong mileage down on the form? You barely know the car. You don't know the mileage. You don't know the tire pressure. When was the last time you even checked the washer fluid? But the washer fluid is fine. The washer fluid is not fine. <laughs> Craig D. Nelson is like, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, maybe you know, it's not so crazy to have a Native American, you know, like I'm, I'm one sixteenth Native American. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. okay, <laughs> easy, Elizabeth Warren. Okay, <laughs> like that doesn't mean that you guys are connected in some way. Listen, like, I am legitimately one sixteenth Native American, <laughs> and I can tell you that he's not a member of my tribe. Okay, <laughs> honestly, my great grandmother was straight up Native. Her last name was Whiteacre, not Whitaker, Whiteacre. 
Might have been Whitaker. <laughs> That's crazy talk. No, it's true. No, I know. That's my brother, crazy talk. We're all a little worried about him. Didn't that happen to every kid that had braces? You know, you're, you're looking in the mirror and, and your braces attack you. Literally, in the moment, he was trying to shave. Yeah, I didn't pretending. understand. I was like, he was like, you got to clean your braces. And he's like, okay. And, and then took a razor out. I was like, what the fuck is know. this kid Robbie, doing? He's, Robbie's a, really... he's a self-mutilator. Like, is that how you clean your braces? <laughs> this, is, this whole incident has caused him to be a self-harmer. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Lisa needs braces. You know, we call him the Quaker Oats Man, but he is yet another character we've dealt with with the name Kane. Yes, we've had three. This is our third. Robocop, Kane, right, right. Kane, and uh, Sutter. Sutter Kane yeah, from so our last Halloween episode. It's cheap. Okay, Cain is it's a biblical reference, you know, Cain and Abel. It's like naming your character Lucifer. Yeah, close yeah. enough. I mean, Or Damien, which next year at this time, I'm sure we'll deal with when we do the omen. Unless there's right. another omen around the corner. Well, don't even say that. <laughs> Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. The fun part about a man suffering from stomach cancer is that when you put him in costume and have him arrive next to the female lead, she bursts into tears because his makeup is so convincing. That's a real thing that happened uh, between Julian Beck and uh, Heather (laughs) O'Rourke. That is fun. Phil, yeah. stomach cancer. It's terrible. <laughs> good uh, God, guys. Yeah, that is a good That's one, Phil. That's not fun. I was, on. I was not I mean, yeah. I'd like to apologize to oh my all God. those. You're disgusting. This is this is your last podcast for a while. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Straight that. <laughs> yes, I have stomach cancer. <laughs> but I'm smart. By the way, that I'm smart line, I, am I the only one who thought of Trump immediately? Oh, yes, like, yes. Because I'm smart. That's how I know what you're thinking. Trump would bring people down into a cave to die without a plan. <laughs> yeah. Like almost Everything else he talks about, he does not have a plan. I like at one point uh, when they're talking about leaving the house and they're like, well, where will we go? And, and uh, Carol Ann's like, Disneyland? And they're like, no. It's like, okay, how about Dunkin' Donuts? They're like, children have no idea of scale. <laughs> like, they just know a place is fun yeah. and it's the same level of fun for them. Listen, missed opportunity, <laughs> Poltergeist 3 inside of a Dunkin' Donuts. As Halloween approaches, you have to prepare yourself for what might happen. Your orange sprinkles. Since we know they experience what they experienced in the first movie, we're just irritated that that they don't understand that it's happening again in the second movie. Like, that's yeah. a constant issue that I was dealing with in the second movie. Like, stop talking about it. Stop explaining it. You know what fucking happened. Yeah. Your house disappeared in front of the <laughs> right. neighborhood. And then Get he, it. Get it. <laughs> and then he wants him to go back there. He knows all your weaknesses, and he, and he knows how to find you. And he's like, your best bet is to surprise him on his own ground. Like, what? But he knows all your weaknesses. Why would you want to go uh, give him home field advantage? Wendy, I'm home. I thought it was a little bit strange in this film that they made such a big deal out of the idea that the whole family has to be together when very clearly the daughter is not there. There was going to be a whole thing where she's off at college, and then when she died, they just kind of eliminated that entirely. Uh, Indeed, they eliminated even any mention of her, I believe. Yeah, I was waiting for that, like something of like, oh, she's off at college. That didn't even bother to justify it. She's off in Europe or something. People thought it was just too dark. No, you cannot joke about that. Yeah, that's not funny. That's not the kind of humor we do on this show. There's a fun special effect in, in, in Poltergeist 2 that is creepy with for by accident. Good. When he spits out the the tequila demon. Yeah. He was an amputee actor who had no legs. Get out of here. Yes, that's a, that's a guy with no legs. His name is Noble Craig. Huh. 
And when they when he turns to the camera to smile, that's an animatronic. Really? And it malfunctioned. He was supposed to smile all the way, but the the lip on the on his the left side of his face didn't work. So it's this evil sneer. Oh. And it's creepy as fuck and it wasn't supposed to happen. Oh, you know what? That's cool. We learned yeah. last year at this time when we did the Carpenter trilogy that an amputee was used in the famous arm pulling off that's scene. That's right. So I guess are, are amputees used in horror movies? I mean, they still use them in The Walking Dead. There's a movie out on Shudder called Yummy, I believe. And, okay, I've heard of that. And there's like the, the trailer involves a, a, a legless woman chasing somebody down the hallway like covered in blood. And so I'm assuming, I would hope that that was I don't hope amputation on anyone, but I would hope that an amputee actor is getting a paycheck that day. Oh, right. I'm not wishing uh, that anybody... Uh, oh, oh, my. I'm getting myself into some hot water okay. I'm sweating in my mouth. Oh, God. Ron, where's my legs? Where are my legs? Your legs are there. I don't have any legs, Ron. One more point about Craig T. Nelson's erratic emotional state. (laughs) Um, But right at the end, like after he's defeated Kane, supposedly with that spear, they still lose somehow. And Caroline is floating back and back. And it's, oh, no, no, no. And the mother is distraught that like she's dead. She's just passed on and she's not coming back. And again, Craig T. Nelson has nothing. Has yeah. nothing to say about it. Seemingly unaffected by his daughter's death. Like, <laughs> well, it's one less mouth to feed. And maybe now all the problems will stop, right, guys? Like, is it really so bad? Oh, she's back. She's back. And your mother's here. Oh, great. great. <laughs> Grandma's an angel. She saved the day. Yeah. I hated your mother. <laughs> she's in four minutes of this movie. I just wrote down little person, Native American. Snake Beast. This movie had it all. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you'd ever want. This was some dumb shit, okay? And it really screamed out, we made a sequel to make money that had no real connection to a movie that was basically complete the first time. We see this in typical with second movies, yep. but very similar to the first movie. Yep. Like, almost exactly the same in a different place. And in fact, they go back to the first place. And it wasn't terrible, but I don't understand why you'd make a third one. That is a great segue, Scott, into... I thought so. Poltergeist 3. Tom Skerritt. Now, he's pretty likable in most things. Yeah. Except when he's not likable. Sure. He's got a mustache in everything he's ever done. Except when he doesn't have a mustache. <laughs> I think we all know Skerritt the most from maybe Alien. Picket maybe Fences. Picket Fences and maybe Top Gun. I think those are his three biggest credits. Hmm. I liked him banging Drew Barrymore in uh, Poison uh, Ivy. Poison Ivy. Delightful jerk-off fuel. There's nothing more about those films. Speaking of delightful jerk-off fuel, trilogy superstar Nancy Allen. Oh, God, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, in no way. No, we but... know her from RoboCop, of yes. course. Playing a very different character in this one. Let me not, was... not necessarily successful, but it's different. She was Murphy's partner, Lewis. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know you. Um, okay. <laughs> and then Laura Flynn Boyle, another trilogy superstar. Men in Black 2. Yes. And I think it's interesting because she's playing a character named Donna, which is also her character name from Twin Peaks. And Ah. there are, in my mind, many similarities to Twin Peaks. I I agree. For instance, the idea of like a double that could take over, the doppelganger idea. They go into that puddle, and I thought the puddle looked reminiscent of the puddle where they enter the Black Lodge and things like that. Um, so yeah, in a weird way, I thought this was like tangentially related. Ah, the ganger. 
I find it odd how likable the father is in this movie, considering he has no familial relation to Carol Ann, whose name is said 121 times in this movie, by the way. It's an ongoing joke that they say it so many times to the point where people in the movies were screaming it back at the screen. It really is laughable. Like I said, there was that scene, uh, you know, where she's calling Carol Ann and it's just like so drawn out of Carol Ann, Carol Ann, Carol Ann. Carol Ann. <laughs> it's just like, okay, enough. Jeez, I'd forgotten her name in the so, first two movies, frankly. It's, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, never forget now. Yeah. Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Carol Ann. Now, Tom Skerritt, reassuring presence, but except he, the only thing he suffers from is smoking. Man, he's at that art gallery and he smokes that cigarette and just puts it out right on the floor, right in front of everybody. It's, it's his the building, 80s, dude. man. Oh, come on. The he's 80s. An ashtray up there. The guy who runs the gallery is an asshole. So, I mean. That, the Asian guy that runs the gallery, I looked him up and he's just a grip. He's not even like a producer. He's like the electrician. That's yeah, when you know a, films. A, play, a movie doesn't have money. Exactly. Well, I'm, uh, I'm an electrician. Oh, is that a good job? not a job, it's a trade. This movie consists of people just running around. Just running around through the whole movie. Running up, running down, running here, running there. It's running around. It takes them like a good nine and a half minutes to get out of the building. They're trying to get a ride with that woman to get them to school. Yeah. And they miss it. She's like, we'll cut them off at the pass. And of course, the first thing I think of is Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Like, at this, at that early point in the movie, we're not sure. We're, we don't know that the entire universe exists in the building. So you're like, what do you mean cut them off at the pass? What the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. How would you do that? They just drove away. Right, that's it. What do you mean? We'll head them off at the pass! Head them off at the pass? I hate that cliche. <laughs> she goes into the art gallery and we find that uh, Nancy Allen is, uh, I guess, an art dealer or an artist. But she goes up to, I believe we were talking about the grip who plays <laughs> the guy. It's like Yashimoto or whatever. Yeah, and she's like, oh, Yashimoto, konnichiwa. And he's like, konnichiwa. But he has this look on his face like, I speak English, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> don't, you don't have to patronize don't me. Don't patronize me. And you know what? The art just looks terrible. It couldn't be worse art. They only created the art so that at that one point the art could turn and be part of the, the demon in whatever way. Because it's just a bunch of shit. Your art was the prettiest art of all the art. Nancy Allen in that one scene is wearing what seems to be a Thundercats brooch right on her jacket. That's what it looked like to me. Oh, that giant that. brooch. You have to see it. It's on the corner of her jacket and it, it looks like it's the Thundercats. I was surprised <laughs> that that didn't do everything, anything because that stupid necklace they have uh, yeah. looked like you could have bought that at a Claire's. Oh, the power necklace? <laughs> yeah, Did we even see necklace. the Native American give her a necklace? I don't remember that from the second movie. Yeah, no. I think she Suddenly was an off-screen thing. Why didn't he use the necklace? Why didn't someone use the necklace in the second right. movie? Because he right. had a spear and he had the smoke. Well, it didn't work very well. And the daughter, she's got a whole party plan going to the pool and... Yeah. Well, once she was able to break free of her babysitting thing, she's like, it's time to Which get crazy. Which was, uh, as soon as a party was mentioned, you're like, so clearly she'll be put in charge of Caroline and right. leave her, because that's right. typical. The sister is shitting on her. She's like, ah, she's not my relative. I'm not related yeah. to her. Caroline's like, it's okay. I just want a friend. <laughs> Fuck. You also get, actually, right before she goes, I think that's the creepiest mirror trick, because it involves Caroline that... When you see her in the mirror, open the door and go, hey, you look great. And then the door yeah. opens again. Hey, you look great. Who? I thought that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. right. The other 20 mirror effects, though, sort of cheapen yeah. it, you know, make it seem like whatever. Right. That's the one they should have just left in because you're yeah. like, oh, what the hell? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? 
once they start battling the cars in the parking garage, there couldn't what be the hell is there couldn't be a better example of fake snow in the history of film. Yeah. It looks like mush. It looks like that mad scientist lab shit you'd make. Uh, yeah. That that the when the guy comes out of the pool looking like a, an ice ninja, but then when you look <laughs> at him in the close up, it's just like he's he got bukkake. No, that wasn't me. That was a spooky ghost. <laughs> like we get, of course, Tangina makes it back in this movie. And uh, she's telling them like, your love is what's going to beat this and, and all that. At that point, you're just like enough with what she has to say. She has yeah. a whole long monologue. She's like Yoda there. She's like, it could be this. It could be that. This leads to this, which leads to that, which leads to this. <laughs> Suffering. <laughs> yeah. I sense much fear in you. Scott, can you even remember the last third film that we saw where we were like, wow, the third film was really great. Like, I'm going back in time to all the trilogies we've watched over this year and over the last couple of years, and I can't remember the last time the third movie was like, wow. I would never say we ever had one that was really great. Maybe maybe the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that one, I will That's say. That's the yes. last one I could remember. You know I what, like, maybe I would even say Army of Darkness is really great. Yeah. This house is clean. So we have covered Poltergeist on this fine Halloween episode. Mm. Phil, why don't you break down for us the final verdict, my friend? I would go one, two, three for me. I don't think it's a very successful trilogy. I think too many people drop off the face of the earth to make it such, and they try to retcon it to make it an all-encompassing story, and they, they fail, more or less. I wanted to be supportive of this trilogy, and then I watched it. I had a lot of scary memories from this as a kid, and to have it demystified before me today... Uh, means I'm allowed to move on. So thank you so much, guys. <laughs> can finally go into the light. For me, it. Uh, I'm going to agree with Phil. It's a one, two, three for me. They get progressively worse. The first one was interesting enough because of the originality of it. That's so often the case. Yeah. And in the second one, I liked Craig T. Nelson's turn and the Native American stealing his car at the end. Uh, Pretty I, funny. I don't think I liked anything about the third movie at all. I couldn't get behind it. So unsuccessful for me, one, two, three. You know, it's going to be easy because I am going to say the exact same order, a one, two, three. I, I agree. The first one, I had some memories as a child. It was the only one I had seen. Um, and, you know, they were a little bit broken uh, watching it this time. But I still think it is kind of a fun family horror film. It's, the first one. It's something I think, you know, like if, if you had a kid and wanted to show them a horror film, this could be one that you would show them, you know, early on. And the second one, you know, I think it really had its moments, but it does feel a little rushed, a little slapped together. Um, and you read the third one just feels like a, a different horror film. Yeah. Like it feels like it's, you know, obviously somebody else took the reins. They wrote their own treatment. It seems like it could have been one of those. I had this idea for a film and they went, well, make it a third poltergeist and we can make it happen. Yeah. Sort of it does thing. feel like that. Yeah. Like it was you know a different I mean? movie at first and then they right. gave it the title. Yeah. Right. The, and they kind of had to really, really rework it to make it like a poltergeist The second film, and third so. really came across as cash yeah. grabs. So I'm going to say unsuccessful as well. We all agree. Hey, I like it. I like this. it. Hey, all right. we're going to have a happy Halloween. Yes, we are. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, we hope that you all have a happy Halloween or had a happy Halloween. Either way, thanks so much for listening. This is the Trilogy Podcast. I am Vin. And I'm Scott. As you know, we're all over the internet and we're getting bigger and bigger. I uh, do our Instagram. It's at the Trilogy Podcast. Check it out. I really try and match what we talk about on this podcast, our jokes, with the uh, humor that I put up on Instagram. Very proud of it. So please check us out. Just over 5,000 uh, yes. followers. A very good companion piece to the podcast, Definitely. I would say. Uh, and I do the uh, Twitter, and we like to uh, put out some fun clips from the podcast and some fun polls about our current episodes. So check that out. Interact with us. That is at Trilogy Podcast on Twitter. 
Phil, are you putting on a costume right now? I don't know if that's really appropriate oh, right now. Oh, no, I mean, I was uh, just going to go out and trick or treat. Phil, you look really freakish right now. I got now. a mask on. Oh, God. One thing's for sure. We need to clear this house. <laughs> when I clear this house, did you mean that you smelled another one of my farts? Whoa! <laughs> Uh-oh. Halloween! There's a poltergeist coming out of your ass. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. A poopergeist. <laughs> 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 